You are now listening to Creative Masters. This is the podcast where we interview musicians, photographers, directors, comedians, designers, and other creatives to discuss how they got started, how they got past those bumps in the road, and how they built a career off their creativity. So let's get right into it. I'm your host, and I'm Team Double Machine Masters to bring you Creative Masters. Now let's start the show. What's going on, everybody? This is Reggie, a.k.a. Nobody Famous. You're listening to the Creative Masters Podcast. I just want to say thank you to everybody who's been listening to the podcast, going to iTunes and rating it, leaving reviews and sharing it. It's been a very, very huge help. Each week, our numbers have been getting better and better. Some more of you guys are listening to the podcast, and I've been getting messages saying how much people have been getting out of it, how much you guys appreciate it. So I just want to let you know that we appreciate you guys for listening to it, and please continue to share it. If you haven't rated it yet, please feel free to do so, as well as leave a review on iTunes. We're just trying to spread the word. And each week, if a story speaks to you, definitely share it out with your friends. This week we have my friend Courtney Garcia who is a entertainment professional. She works as a writer as well as a TV producer out in Los Angeles but she also has experience on the music and even the film side as well. She's worked in both New York and LA. So we talk about a lot of different things in this episode and what it takes to be an entertainment professional in this day and age. So we get into what it's like to work for some of these entertainment companies and what you can expect. In entertainment you cannot expect to get paid a lot until you're really established it just like his those jobs are so sought after and glamorized that if you don't want to take that salary they offer someone else is going to do it then we get into what it's like to work on the ellen show and what her day-to-day consists of my day-to-day is just a lot of like looking for stories and pitching things and calling people and chatting with them and getting the details and kind of thinking about what's right for the show what's right for our website what's right for our Ellen Tube channel. Then, of course, we talk about her definition of hustling and what it means to her. You're never settled. You're always going, 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 and you're always trying to think of how you can have another opportunity and make an opportunity better, and you're doing everything possible um, to get to that point. We get into this and so much more. Courtney talks about what it's like to work on teams that's been nominated for Grammys and Oscars and even works on a team that's won an Emmy. So sit back and relax. Be inspired. This is episode eight of the Creative Masters podcast featuring Courtney Garcia. everybody this is reggie aka nobody famous you're listening to the creative masters podcast today i got a very cool guest she is a digital writer and tv producer out in hollywood she's my friend courtney garcia courtney how you doing good how are you doing i'm doing well thanks for coming on to the podcast and, and sharing your story with us of course yeah so um just kind of like a quick little background i know we met around 2007 or so back in the day in la um but why don't you give the listeners who are listening just kind of like a little 60 second 90 second elevator speech of who you are where you're from and what you do yeah for sure i uh i my name's courtney i'm 32 or no i'm actually only 31 that doesn't usually happen <laughs> just looking ahead i guess um i i'm from north carolina i went to to unc chapel hill moved out to la right away uh just always wanted to be in hollywood so I've kind of done a few things. I, I started out trying to write out here and ended up wanting a, a better, like more stable position. So worked in the music business for four years and 
got a taste of management and marketing and, you know, beyond the music, just working with artists and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Moved to New York for a year, did a little more marketing there. And then um, ever since then, I've kind of come back to California. I, I, I was freelance writing because I always wanted to write. It's it's really hard to pursue a creative thing out here. So I just felt like I needed to try and give it my whole effort. So for a year, I was like a journalist. I wrote for MSNBC and for Huffington Post and few other outlets and started doing some social media as well and then for the past about three years now I've been working for the Ellen DeGeneres show both um on the digital and production teams awesome that's great and um so as you know this podcast is about you know creatives and kind of their path to to where they came from to get to where they are now so uh, let's kind of go back some years kind of you know around into high school something like that like what was kind of like your dream job was it always writing or did you have something kind of else in mind when you were when you're growing oh, up? Well, I, since I was like three, wanted to be in Hollywood and it, it just mostly was acting, I guess. Um, but I was like writing little shows and stuff literally since I was three years old. And even when I, I asked my mom forever to take me to Hollywood and she would say no. And mm-hmm. I, uh, I saved up my allowance money and sometime in elementary school bought this book, the Hollywood creative directory, which is a legitimate actual contact book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I was like seven and I was writing to agents and just handwriting them letters and telling them that if they would, uh, give me an audition, I'd ask my grandma to like pay for me to come out there. Yeah, yeah. And then I think in middle school, I made my friends start a band cause I saw like Britney Spears was a singer, then an actress and Whitney Houston did that too. So I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be famous musician and then I'm going to go into acting. So it was that for a while. And then yeah, I did theater my whole life. I did dance my whole life. And I, not until college, I really moved behind the lens, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. um, to like the other parts of it. But you know, there's always a little bit of that in theater and no matter what you're doing, you're kind of creating things. So I hate saying I wanted to be an actress. It's so lame. So that's why I'm like, that wasn't the only thing, but it really was what dro- drove me, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Like when I was little, just watching. I mean, you're around my age too, so just all those Nickelodeon shows. I remember going yeah. to uh, Orlando Did and like doing the uh, audition at Universal Studios. Yeah. So it was literally like you had to play uh, Simon Says, and I was like the last five, and, and I messed up. I was like so crushed for like a year. Yeah, <laughs> you're never gonna make it then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I know how I know how that goes. So um, post high school, you know, you said you were in drama and everything like that, and then you kind of moved behind the lens, as you said, and you got your degree in communication. So what made you go? into communications instead of like pursuing maybe a fine arts degree for drama or something like that? Well, um, I did, I only did theater cause I wanted to be in movies. Mm-hmm. So I even told my mom that like she would not take me to Hollywood. So I had to do theater. So when I got into school, I was studying filmmaking. Um, there was a brief moment. I actually, the first major I had was journalism, but I just didn't want to, I just was always thinking big time. So I didn't want to have to start at like a local news mm-hmm. and then go to, cause that's generally the track you take. And I, and I also wanted to be more creative news isn't as creative to me. So, um, I did communications with a focus in media production and I did creative writing. So while I was at school, I actually was a part of a, a theater company there and it was just more to get that you know, it's it's always helpful that because you in, in theater you there were classes like you know directing for the stage and screen, and so you can get you, you learn uh, skills that will help you and translate into into film. But it was always film that was my biggest interest. Gotcha. I see. And for some of those skills that you did learn um, in those in those courses and things like that, what are some of the ones that you you know use on a daily basis today, or you found helpful in, in your career? 
Yeah, you uh, well, I always like, I think understatement is really important in the creative field. I think anytime, and, and this is for Ellen and everything I've done, when you try too hard, when you sit there and overwrite something, overwrite a joke, or when you're melodramatic, when you're not yourself and you're not honest, mm-hmm. that that goes for business and marketing. I just I feel like that understated honesty um, that I learned from the very beginning on stage because you do have to – stage is a little different where I think because you're having to portray these emotions for an audience, it's a little more dramatic than on film. But mm-hmm. in general, it's like you don't want to overplay something because it ruins it. And I think that, that that is a huge skill and more, I guess, of an emotion that you learn um, that has translated across everything I've done. And then I think uh, another important thing that you learn is just to to do a lot of things at once and mm-hmm. to be quick, quick thinking, especially in theater. I mean – you don't get to redo things there. There's no editing. There's no cameras. It's just there, and you have to be able to be spontaneous and 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 multitask and all that sort of stuff that I think really helps, um, just in your life learning that kind of having that ability. Yeah, for sure. That's that's one thing I kind of uh, admire about you know people in theater and, and comedy, and especially even just like improv classes. Like a lot of yeah. You know, in business, even people be like, yeah, take an improv class because it's going to help you to, you know, think quick on your feet and be more creative if you're in sales or marketing or whatever like that. So um, I could could definitely see the value in all of that for sure. Absolutely. Um, Actually, and you know what? One other thing that I think that I can't believe this wasn't my first thing I thought of, but the one thing about me that has made me successful, quote unquote, if you you think I'm successful, um, is... uh, is my ability to know a good story. And mm-hmm. that's kind of really driven my career. So it sounds like I've done all of these random things, but the thread through them is that I can find a good story and I can pick it out. And I think that, that my entire life watching movies and being on stage and stuff, you could see what's, you know, cause it's essentially everything's recycled, but you mm-hmm. can tell what's special. Yeah. And I think that's really important as well. Cause I remember, um, I've even said it before on this podcast, but one of my old professors is like, probably the one few things I remember from all of my college classes. And he's basically said, you know, you got to read these different things, watch these different clips and find that thread, as you said, and how to connect things, you know? So it's like, once mm-hmm. you, you have to develop that. So what are some things um, that you kind of did to develop like that? Was it like, is it like reading? Is it watching movies? Like what was kind of the, uh, what's kind of like your process for like seeing those connections and, and figuring out what's a good story? Yeah. I mean, well, I, I think a lot of my editors taught me that because I would have to, you know what it is? Sometimes it's like, it's like having to eat. It's like they say that, you know, when you, when you're desperate, when you're starving, you like, that's when you kind of have to force yourself. So I remember when I was freelancing, um, uh, the, you know, the only way when you freelance as a journalist, you usually, I mean, once you develop a rapport with a, and whoever you're writing for, they'll give you stories. You kind of mm-hmm. go on assignment for them. But when you're starting out, you have to just pitch stuff. And if they don't take it, you're not going to make money. Mm-hmm. And so it was one of those things where I was like pitching stuff and they'd be like, no, no. And I could start to see why, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't like things. And then I started, and then it was like, I got to the point where like, I knew exactly what they'd want. Um, and so not making money, being forced to find the story, it, it, you learn things quick. So, I mean, I can tell you what I look for, but that's how I learned it is just by having to make money, mm-hmm. having to have a good pitch to make money. I had to figure out what they wanted and then I could, and then 
pretty much everyone looks for a similar thing, so that's helped, but it got to the point at the end where everything I pitched they were taking. It was more like, which do we prioritize, you know, but um, that was like a big factor as far as finding stories for for my writing and, and for Ellen. Like, I can find stuff really, I know how to find it, um, mm-hmm. but I think in general, like you're saying, I read tons of books, I collect books, so I want to have a library in my house one day. Nice. I have a house, if I ever can afford a house. Um, and I just read all the time. I love, especially like um, biographies. I'm mm-hmm. kind of obsessed with reading to see how people got to where they are. Yep. Um, so like, uh, actually, Aziz Ansari has a joke about this too. But or I don't even know if it's a joke, but he does this where you'll just like go on Wikipedia and look up everybody's bike. It's just like mm-hmm. fascinating to me to see what people did. But I love crime for some reason. Um, and I, but yeah, I love true stories, and I, I read all the time, and I, I like watching documentaries. I mean, I'm constantly consuming things, so I guess that helps. But I've I've definitely read and watched things my whole life. My parents didn't have those rules when we were little, where mm-hmm. you could only watch TV after your homework. Well, I guess maybe they did, but it wasn't as strict. So I was always watching things because they were more strict the other way, where um, I wasn't allowed to go out late at night and I could, you know, they were very restrictive who I hung out with and stuff. So I learned everything from like MTV. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Kind of the same here too. But uh, you kind of said a few things that really stuck out to me. One was kind of like when you, you know, when you're a starving artist and you're just trying to figure it out, I just actually, um, I'm big on like books and and, um, documentaries as well. So I do audio books because I'm in the car so much, but I was listening to um, the obstacle is the way by Ryan holiday. And basically he's just saying like your path, if there's ever an obstacle in a way, like your path is kind of, through that obstacle so you got to like figure that out so like with yeah you know having to figure out like what's a good story and what's not working and then work around it to what's working and then getting all your stories accepted you know i mean that basically showed you the path to take you know working through it it's the same with me and like music and everything like that so i totally get that um for sure and as far as like the documentaries and the books and everything i think it's very important especially like not only just for creators but anybody in general who's trying to you know, do their own thing in life and kind of design the life that they want is to mm-hmm. have that knowledge and connect those dots so you can see, yeah. you know, see those connections and things like that. So yeah. that's, that's really dope. But um, so now let's talk, you know, you you finished school, like how far, how long after school did you move to LA? Was it right after you graduated? Yeah. Well, I, I actually worked on a documentary for a month in DC as a assistant editor on it and it ended up getting nominated for an Oscar. So that was oh. exciting. But um, I went to DC for a month and then I moved so yeah, pretty pretty much right away. Gotcha. And how did that uh, opportunity with the documentary come about? Um, because in school, um, I had a friend who would intern at National Geographic, and he wasn't available and recommended me for it. And the filmmaker, um, it the filmmaker had been at Geographic, and it was his own project. So it was mm-hmm. like one of those connections. And I and I which I do think are important, but I don't want to be that person that. I mean. Th- you hear so many times in Hollywood that's like, it's who you know, it's who you know. But quite honestly, almost everything I've done, I did on my own. I didn't have a connection. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to – I'd rather push the other way to encourage people because I hate – I don't want people to feel like if they don't know someone in Hollywood, never mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand that as well. Cause, I mean, you do have to get out there, especially these days, it's so noisy. And, it, of course, it does help when you know somebody. But if you can – Oh, yeah. If you can get out there and, and network and kind of figure it out yourself too, that you know that can also be a viable option for yeah you know doing what you want to do. So, 
I remember um back in the LA days. I remember you were working for uh, Leslie Lewis Consulting. Yeah. I was. I remember you hooked me up with some uh, social media work for Blake Lewis and things like that. So how did you get into that position? Was that right when you moved to LA, or was that shortly uh, after? It was about six months. I was writing with some comedians from um, Deaf Comedy Jam for on something with Cat Williams before he went off the deep end. Um, mm-hmm. And and that was actually going okay. It just like it was one of those like not paying jobs so you know I was nannying and stuff and I, I was just like I'm not gonna do this <laughs> so I uh I it was I think like six months after I came out here I got yeah full-time job with her awesome. and it was it's just a job posting I saw oh nice so you just basically just applied and, and landed it yep same and that's actually the same thing with Ellen it was on Craigslist oh wow that's interesting. That's what, that's what I tell the people. <laughs> don't like. I didn't know. And I actually, I ended up did knowing someone, but it really didn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. I literally got it from Craigslist. Yeah, that's interesting because I remember when I uh, first moved to LA, and um, I haven't really been looking. Well, I, I take that back. I was looking when I was kind of just looking for opportunities. Uh, probably two years ago, I was on Craigslist a lot. But when I actually first moved to LA, I was on Craigslist like all day, every day, and I would yeah. Like, all kinds of gigs here and there just to pay the bills until I like got a job, you know? So, yeah. Um, well, well, I mean, the, and there's so many good, um, job boards now, like Glassdoor mm-hmm. and, and like, there's a lot of different ways, but yeah, I mean that got that job on Craigslist, got the Leslie Lewis job on another site. And then all my writing jobs, I just cold emailed editors. I just found their name and cold emailed them. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's talk about the uh, Leslie Lewis job a little bit because I was actually looking at her uh, LinkedIn and she's done like a ton of stuff in the entertainment yeah. industry. So what what did you do there? Can you kind of break that down for us a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I was like an assist. I did. It was just her and I, and we'd hire up when we produce. She's a basically a music consultant. She'd worked for almost every record label and the big like the legends in the music business. So like Tommy Mottola over at Columbia, and um, oh my God, Jimmy Iovine at. Uh, at Def Jam and and um, was he Def Jam? Interscope. I Interscope, Interscope. Um, and um, she like right when I started from Wither was when James Brown passed away and she was really close with him and went to his funeral and I remember all his family was calling us so I was like whoa this is so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so she had all this experience. Her sister is uh, Jenny Lewis, who's a pretty well known uh, musician herself, and. Um, Leslie produced a Grammy nominees album, which was like the big job of, of that position. So we cleared all the music for it. We did the album, mm-hmm. um, the packaging, the marketing, and we worked with the Academy for that, but we'd hire up a few people and we're out of our house working on that. And then the rest of the year, you know, there'd be Grammy projects that came along. So like we, you know, worked on digital clearances for them. And then we managed a couple artists, Blake Lewis, you mentioned. Um, and uh, we did marketing campaigns for some bands, uh, Radiohead and Dave Matthews. And she had a, a good relationship with Red Light Management, which is one of the biggest uh, music management firms. And mm-hmm. so they would kind of hire us for different jobs with their artists. That's really dope. So um, a lot of that stuff, did you have much music business experience before that job? Or was that a lot of, did you learn a lot yeah. of that stuff kind of like on the fly? It's on the fly. This guy that I listen to every day, um, you might actually really like him if you like sports. Um, his name's Colin Coward, mm-hmm. and he uh, he used to be on ESPN. And he got a bigger job at Fox. And um, anyway, so he like ta- he's sports, but he'll he'll talk about culture and ideas too. And one thing he said recently that I think is very important is that um, he'd always rather hire someone that was just smart mm-hmm. um, than had like 
specific experience on a sports radio show because usually you can learn it. And so I always try to use that as my like selling point because I had a tiny bit of music experience because in college I'd made a documentary um, and it started, it was looking at the commercialization of hip hop music mm-hmm. and it, it ended up focusing on these girls, but I, I'd made some music industry contacts and ended up helping out the supervisor for the summer. And that, so, I mean, and it was real, like I was fudging what I did with him, to be honest with you, because I, it, I really didn't need it for her job, but mm-hmm. um, that was the extent of my music experience. It was more just, I, I, I could learn really fast. Yeah, and I think that's important too, and that's kind of a, um, I guess, a concept or a thought that's going around, especially like with like fast growing, like you know, small business startups, things like that. It's like just hire somebody smart, and yeah, you know, they're gonna figure it out, they're gonna adapt and and grow into the position for sure. So, yeah. as you were working um, for Leslie, was there anything um, like any obstacles that came that were like really tough that you kind of learned lessons from and, and had to get around when you were in that position? Well, one thing she told me, I can't remember like a, a, a situation where this came down the wire or like where I learned my lesson, but um, I do think one of the important things that she taught me um, was never to make assumptions. Mm-hmm. And that has just been such a good lesson for everything I've done and everything in life from like ro- romantic relationships on just like you can't assume anything because usually and it's always like whenever I still I'm like no I think it's safe to assume I'm always wrong mm-hmm. and it really will like mess things up but um and then one specific thing um I mean that would be like a business lesson. If you want to know something really specific to the job, I remember the first season, the first season, now I'm talking to Ellen, the first year I worked there, the first Grammy album, um, we had to do like 50 music clearances in two weeks. Mm-hmm. And, and they all had to go out the night of the nominations. And we were there till like five in the morning. For, I mean, the entire day to like five in the morning because I'd, I'd never done it before. And, I, you know, I look overlooked things like a sample and a song. So mm-hmm. I like sent out all the publishing and the master request and then it was like oh but there's also this sample in there we have to look at um and i sh- and re- i should remember being like man why didn't i look at the that you know i like anyway i just i so that was the first album by the fourth album i had us out of there at like seven o'clock because mm-hmm. <laughs> i had figured it out so i like had got my it's like you always have to make a system so i'm i'm really bad at training people because i when i i can i always make a system but it's like my head you know like i can't explain it and i wouldn't actually suggest other people trying it but whatever you do i just think find a way that works for you and like a system of how you're going to do it because you can do it really fast i have an i actually have an anxiety disorder so i like in in the positive ways that it comes out is that i can figure things out like how to do something fast because i hate wasting time yeah, I hate wasting time too. I mean, time is like the that one resource that we can't get back. So you gotta, yeah. you gotta uh, value it and, and use it wisely for sure. So um, yeah, that's, that's really cool. So after after Leslie, you went and worked at um, MTV, and you're in advertising and marketing. So what did you do over yeah. at MTV? That was really like uh, almost like a filler job, I I would say, because I. I, I, I got a temp job there and it was in advertising and you know, like uh, everyone's story is different. And I've heard these stories of these people that like get in at the company and then they get their dream job. And I kept trying to like get over and music licensing or something there. And just, mm-hmm. there just like wasn't a position and they liked me so much in advertising. And so they gave me this, there was like an executive assistant job that opened up and I was like, I do not want to be an assistant, but they offered me all this money. I didn't even have to interview for it. And so I was like, Eh, I'll just do it. Mm-hmm. They were like, use the time, 
figure out what you want to do. And it was actually great because I got to live in New York for a year. I made money I could save. I, I did go to meetings because, you know, it was actually in Nickelodeon specifically. So mm-hmm. they were, it was at the time. I mean, they still do this now, but, you know, gaming evolves so much. It's like sounds old to even say this, but, you know, they were like trying to figure out how to insert like a McDonald's coupon and a SpongeBob ad and like Mm -hmm. the way to like cleverly put ads into games. And it was interesting at the time, you know, so I, I was, I got to learn like what was happening and how those people go about selling packages to brands. But my specific duties were literally like answering the phone and, and taking notes and stuff. So it wasn't like that stimulating a job, but it was interesting. And I got to be there for a year and, and kind of experience New York. Yeah. And I was going to ask you what, what's the, uh, like what differences and similarities do you find between like LA and New York as far as like the whole entertainment industry goes? Well, you're not neither in entertainment. You cannot expect to get paid a lot until you're really established. It just like his, those jobs are so sought after and glamorized that if, if you don't want to take that salary they offer, someone else is going to do it. So that's something you're going to be up against in both cities. Um, I also think that, um, you know, the, it's the general, it's a definite, I mean, there, New York is not as laid back as LA, but in both worlds of entertainment and music, it's just like a laid back kind of cool field to be in. So Mm -hmm. there's perks, you get invited to stuff, but you know, um, it's, it's, it's hard to get those jobs. I think, especially in music now, it's really hard to get a good job in music. Um, I think both there's long hours in both. I mean, the nature of the job, I think LA is a little better lifestyle than New York to me, because in New York, um, I feel like people are all, it's just real, the people are more tired because you're walking everywhere. Even they, mm-hmm. you know, you can complain about the traffic and stuff here, but it's just, I feel like people are a little more laid back out in LA. So it's an easier world to to live in than new york and um i think in new york there's less opportunity specifically in like film and televisions and stuff so you're going to be up against a higher or a smaller pool smaller pool of jobs and a lot of people oh, people but, yeah yeah for sure yeah plus it's cold so I don't oh like yeah cold. i mean that's a bit that's <laughs> honestly like the main reason i left because i was like i am not doing all this and it's snowing <laughs> yeah yeah i couldn't i couldn't do that that's probably like one of the main reasons i moved to la actually because like i go to new york la and i was like i just can't do the cold yeah oh my gosh yeah i know especially i I moved to la and then to new york so i got used to the warm so that mm-hmm. was even worse because in north carolina it snowed so i could have probably done the transition a little better from north carolina but woo. Mm-hmm. yeah that that cold is, is rough i've been up there one oh Several years back in the, in the winter time, I was like never again. So. Yeah, forget it. <laughs> I'm I'm definitely good on that. So after uh, MTV in New York, did you move right back to LA after that? Um, I well, I don't know. The, I've had like the most random stuff, but I still was interested in music and like actually tech, um, and and producing. And I just wanted, I was worried. I wanted to have something that gave me an edge. So I thought I should do law school to study IP law. Mm-hmm. So I ended up in, in San Francisco for like one semester of law school. And then I was like, no, I'm too creative. Like the, this is you, you can't just, it's not like you have that law major and you can go apply it. Like you literally need to get out of law school and go be a lawyer for mm-hmm. a while before you can, cause people, you know, Clive Davis actually has a degree in law and a lot of people, um, 
in the entertainment world have a background in law, but they all were still lawyers first, and I didn't want to be a lawyer at all. So I was like, this is not a smart move. So I did a first semester, and then I came to L.A. Gotcha. And, and actually starting in New York, I started picking up writing like freelance jobs. So it was at that point that I was like, you're just always wanting a backup plan. I actually listened to a podcast with Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad, and he was talking about how um, his teacher in high school, when he told her he was going to move to L.A., she was like, well, what's your backup plan? And he was like, I don't, I don't need one. And that's it was kind of jarring to me because I was like, you always have a backup plan. Just go and try and write. Just try. And that's kind of how I just totally dedicated myself to do it. Yeah, I think that's important to um, kind of just go right after it and do it. Because if you do have that backup plan, you always have it in the back of your mind. Like, well, if this doesn't work out, you know, I can um, go, you know, fall back on that and whatnot. But especially like when you're in your 20s, like you have to just, in my opinion, I feel that you just have to at least go for it and see what yeah. happens, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and maybe you don't like it. I mean, because in the end, I didn't really want to be a freelance journalist. And that's why I'm glad I got out. I mean, I got an actual job, but it's like you have to do it. It's, it's that same concept of starving. So you have to do it. Mm -hmm. And then that's when you hustle harder. I mean, I'm actually, not, I mean, it's, it's hard not to be jealous of those like trust fund kids or people that don't have to really worry about it. But I feel like they a lot of times don't end up as successful as the people that had to go and make their own money and, and really work and get there. Yeah. Plus it's more gratifying to build something on your own anyway. Yeah, for um, sure. So it feels good to, you know, set out a goal and work years and years and then accomplish those goals. So, you know, that's how, that's how I look at it anyway, but. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, you, you, you did the law school for a semester. I totally forgot about that. And then. Yeah, um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't really care, but it's just like, God, this, what, did, what was going on? No, but sometimes, I mean, sometimes that happens, you know, you got to at least see, like, it's, you got to see what happens. And then if yeah. it doesn't work out, you can always move to something else, which I think too is, um, is an important lesson to learn because like, even when I was like doing the kids program, like when that ended, it's like my identity was like so wrapped up in it. And I had to be like, well, it just didn't work out. Like it, it worked for yeah. years and then you move on and you do something yeah. else and, and you know, yeah. it's just lessons that you learn from that. But um, yeah, so you're back in LA and um, you're looking, you know, you're freelancing and looking for positions. So you said you applied for Ellen um, over Craigslist. So kind of tell us um, like what exactly say for someone who's looking to get into like TV, you know, producer or something like that, what a digital writer and TV producer does. Um, well, I mean, I guess it's kind of different everywhere because my, I didn't. I don't have a position you'd really get. It, mine, it just was like one that kind of evolved. Um, what I got hired as a blogger. I mean, my title was digital writer and producer, but basically it was like a blogger. Mm -hmm. But because I was good at finding stories, it just like uh, pretty soon after I started, it was like pitching stuff for the show. And then by the second season, I was working on the show, but still blogging and still writing digital stuff. So mm -hmm. um, it's again, it's not really. Like my position is kind of curated, I guess, but um, my my day to day is just a lot of like looking for stories and pitching things and calling people and chatting with them and getting the details and kind of thinking about what's right for the show, what's right for our website, what's right for our Ellen Tube channel that we were launched. Um, and then when we find stuff that's right, you know, producing it, like how are we going to tell this story? What do we need? What assets do we need? What we Ellen loves to give fun gifts. Like what gifts can we give these people? How can we help them? She's, you know, that's her thing is helping people. So, mm -hmm. you know, what can we do to add to this story and, and to, to make them a little, their life a little better. Um, and, and I guess, you know, what I do is just 
is find those stories and, and see what's right for what platform that we have. That's really cool. Yeah. And then, um, so over those years, this progression, as you progress from just blogging to kind of working on different stories and pitching ideas mm-hmm. and stuff, what were some, what was like one of your favorite uh, segments that you had the opportunity to work on it? Like you found the story and kind of developed it and. Well, probably that, that, and then this is probably widely regarded as one of our best human interests. I do hate to brag, but, um, <laughs> Uh, the one that I did this year with uh, these guys, they're my age, and they were best friends at Tulane, and one went into the military, um, and one went to Wall Street, and they were big Saints fans, and while the one the one that went into the military was in, like, a horrible, one of the worst battles of Afghanistan, that took place in Afghanistan, and that was the night that the Saints won the Super Bowl, mm. And so the other friend went down to New Orleans for Mardi Gras to celebrate the Super Bowl win and, like, brought this cardboard cutout of the guy at war with him So the, and then took all these funny photos with the cutout. And then he waited for, like, four hours and got Drew Brees to take a photo with his cutout. And then he put them all on Facebook and tagged the guy at war so he could feel like he was there. And the guy who was at war was like, you know, it, it almost saved my life because I was so sad at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was so mad I was missing everything. So then cut to, like, a few years later, the guy from Wall Street moves out to um, Salt Lake City because he loves being in the mountains. And, like, shortly after he moves there, he's paralyzed in this mountain biking accident. Mm. So the guy from the army was actually back in the states now and in, at Tulane Law, and went and made a cardboard cutout of him of the other guy and went and got Drew Brees to take a photo with it. So they were kind of united in this love uh, for each other and this and Drew Brees and we got Drew Brees involved in the segment. It kind of played out over three different. Uh, t- we, we they were on the show three times. Like the mm-hmm. first initial time, and Ellen and Drew bought um this paralyzed guy a wheelchair which you can't even it's more than a car what these people like the cost of these things now it's crazy and um bought him a wheelchair and and drew Brees surprised him on a live shot and then we uh, you know miraculously the guy got a little bit better brought it so we had like a live shot with the two friends in salt lake city and then in may drew Brees came in person um and brian the guy who was paralyzed was finally able to travel and came they were all in person on the stage so it was a pretty cool um, segment and I you know I really like my two big I like sports so I had a guy on from Pitt who was basically one of their best running backs and was battling cancer and just continued to practice and work really hard and he had connected with Eric Berry who just literally last night won the NFL comeback at the ESP at the ESPYs yeah, Eric Barry and we they connected on phone and never met in person. So I got to do like a shoot kind of telling the college kids story and then we brought him on stage and then surprised him with Eric and that was really fun to be around those guys and, and tell their story and then just a lot of the kids. I, I book a lot of the little talented kids we have on, so I love doing those too. That's really dope. Sounds like a lot of uh fun and interesting stories to work on for sure and some inspiring ones as well. Yeah. Um so yeah, then I saw um, wow, I guess a while back now you had posted um, the certificate for the Emmy. So what was that like to be like a part of a team to win a, win an Emmy? Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, you know, you always like, pra- well, for me, I pra- I've like have my Oscar speech written since I was seven. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and it's, it fun, it's fun because you work so hard. And so just to know that um, you did a good job. Um, and that people are watching, mm-hmm. uh, especially 
you know, coming, you know, when you, that's one thing is as a creative person, you know, like you struggle, even just like to get a Instagram followers, you know, it's like, God, I just hope someone's looking at this photo, you yeah, know, yeah, for sure. Not anybody looking at my Snapchat, but with Ellen, you're like, man, I know like a gazillion people are watching this. So that, that's always like makes you feel like excited. And so like, yeah, to get that certificate for whatever small role you play, is, mm-hmm. it's really cool. Yeah, that, that's really cool. I mean, it's always good to see just like people as they progress and, you, you know, they stick with it and they put in that time for years and years to, you know, be recognized and acknowledged for it. Um, yeah, so that's really exciting to see for sure. Um, so we kind of touched on it earlier a little bit, but let's kind of touch on just um, as a creative person. And, you know, you have your your regular day job and doing what you do. But how important is it for you to kind of um, do do your own creative projects like on the side like i know you kind of hit me up about your project the social media project that you're working on or whatever like what do you what kind of i guess value do you find in that is it like does it keep you fresh on your day job does it keep you inspired like you know what's kind of like your thought process behind that well it's weird because i always um i want i thought i wanted to write a book and or you know maybe a movie or something and just with social media like and I don't, it's like even documentaries, I was like, maybe I'll make a documentary. You, you feel like you want something that you own. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the thing about working for Ellen, and but in a general way, when, whenever you work for any of these people, is you're like, man, she's so awesome. Like, I wish I was her. But I don't, it's like, I don't want to be a comedian. But like, I also like, you know, there's different people have different goals in life and there's different ways of reaching the top or succeeding. And some people it's like, I just want to keep moving up and see how far I go and and just feel like I did a good job at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. But for me, since I was little, as you, as I mentioned earlier, like I've always wanted to be like the leader, like to create something that was mine. And like, eventually like that I am successful, successful because it's me. Mm -hmm. It's not like I just earned a good position. So even when you're working for like an amazing show, like for someone like me, like that, that's not enough. Like eventually I want it to be something I did. Mm-hmm. So that's, and I don't, but I don't know that that's the same for every single creative person. Cause sometimes like, um, just writing for like some, there's writers on Ellen like that, that they might've achieved what they wanted to do. Like that's what they want. But for me, like I just wanted, I'm like a producer type that wants to have something of my own. So mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I'm also like this, I think ultimate goal is like, you know, you to work for yourself and to, to do your thing. That's my ultimate goal. So for me, it's really important to have a little side hustle. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even realize that for a while. Cause I was like, man, Ellen, that's great. Like that feels like what I want to do. And it is, I mean, it is, I want to keep doing it, but, um, I think I have been trying to think of what else creatively I really wanted to be putting my extra time in and, mm-hmm. Yes, and to me, right now, I just enjoy social media. I like seeing stories of people on social media. I, I find stories about people on social media, and I find myself being entertained by social media the most. Even when I'm watching TV, I feel like I'm still looking at Instagram. So, mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah, I, I just working on a little social media project to, to kind of hopefully lead me in a new direction. That's what's up. And then um, I guess this we're kind of on this topic and you kind of hinted towards it a little bit. I usually ask this question a little later, but let's yeah. kind of uh, switch gears and talk about success for a moment. So I, I've been getting like a lot of interesting responses to this question, you know, and it seems like like for me personally, kind of growing up, a kind of example that I use is 
you know, producing music and things like that. It's like, oh, like if you're not like a Kanye or Pharrell or Timbaland or whatever, you know, you're not successful. So I had to like redefine success for yes. myself and what it means for me. So like for you, you know, how did you have, have you redefined success for yourself and, and what's kind of like your definition of that? Um, well, it's weird because I don't know what I really thought success was. Cause I feel like I'm, I'm doing the job that I thought, you know, so mm -hmm. I think that that's pretty cool, but, um, I don't think I ever, I don't, I don't know if I would redefine success. I think the thing is you never want to, I, I never want to be content. I always mm -hmm. want to be striving for something. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know how, how to look at success because, um, I, I just don't, I hope that I'm always wanting more. Mm -hmm. And I hope that I always feel like there's higher I could go. So you can have like success at different levels. And so in sort of in, in, in that way and, and, and other things too, like there's little baby successes. So like supporting yourself, success, yeah. you know, <laughs> that, that actually is a big success. Especially you know? as a, especially as a creative for sure. Oh yeah. So that's a success. So there's like levels of success, but to me, there's not like one, like, Hey, you hit the top of the mountain because mm -hmm. I think you you just always want to keep climbing. Um, but as for but there is like a goal. Like for me, a goal is that I like make something happen that I did. Mm -hmm. So, and it's weird because it sort of feels like that. Oh, like well, I had I wrote an article, but like a real thing that's just me. Like I don't know. I don't want to say that I'm running a company because I don't know if that's the how it materializes. But mm -hmm. like that to me is like a big goal. But success is, it's just ongoing. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, everybody always says it's a marathon and not a sprint. And it, yeah. it definitely is a marathon. Like it's, you, you set a goal, you kind of set baby goals, smaller goals, and you reach those and you set something like a little bit higher and you just kind of keep it moving it and going from there. So I, I yeah. definitely understand and get that for sure. Um, so kind of switching back to social media and like side hustles and, and things like that. Like these days, you know, you see everybody online. I mean, you spend, you know, five minutes on Instagram, you're going to see somebody <laughs> posting about what they're doing or what they're about to do or, or whatever. You know what I mean? So like, what is kind of like your definition of like hustling? Um, hustling is, um, yeah, well, I think hustling it, it, in the sort of what I was saying just a few minutes ago is it's it's never being content and always like w like always working t to to push yourself further. Mm -hmm. So, and it doesn't mean that if you don't hustle, you're not a good employee or worker. Mm -hmm. I just know some people that are like. Yep, got my nine to five job fine with me, and then I'm just gonna go home and hang with my friend, and that's a fine, great life. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, like I, a lot. I mean, I, I don't even want to say I put off having a family because I would probably have a family right now if I had like a boyfriend and everything. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I, it's not. But like to me, my priority has always been my work and my career, and it's just you're never settled. You're always going, 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 and you're always trying to think of how you can have another opportunity and make an opportunity better and you're doing everything possible um to get to that point and mm -hmm. so you don't and it and it's not like a it's like a 
it's like, and, and you get invited to something and even if you could go, you don't want to go because you'd rather be working on mm-hmm. your, your, your project or something like that. Those are like the real hustlers that are just like, can't stop. They can't stop thinking about it and pushing and trying everything. Yeah. And that's kind of interesting. Cause that's kind of like a, a common thread with several people that I, I talked to. And um, actually like in the second episode with, with Jay Rhodes, this music producer, um, we kind of were talking about that. And it's just like, you know, you can go out to the club or, you know, you can play video games or whatever, or you can sit here and make these beats and I like, write these songs, you know? And, yeah. and he chose to, you know, make, make the beats and, you know, he ended up on a number one on the chart several times from that. So, you yeah, know, I think it is kind of something just this in creatives who are actually successful is like kind of delaying gratification. I guess you could say like, you're not going to go out oh, tonight. Yeah. You're going to work on your project. You're going to put a little bit of time in every day. Cause you know, that time's going to add up. And it's going to get you to where you're trying to be. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 like sacri- it's the sacrifice mm-hmm. uh, element that I think a lot of people. That's really what makes a hustler is they're willing to sacrifice. Because I know um, for Ellen, like I get up at four thirty in the morning because I know that's when I'm going to find stuff before other people. But that mm-hmm. means I'm just always tired. So I'm super lame. Like people, I don't even want to go to dinner with people during the week. Cause I'm like, no, I just need to go home and like lay there for a second and go to bed. Cause I, I'd rather like not be tired and miserable and wake up and miss something. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, we'll just have dinner on the weekend. Yeah. And that's kind of the same with me too. Cause I get up at five and it's literally like, I, I work like about an hour away from, from where I live. So it's like, I'm in the car. I get up at five. I'm in the car. I'm working all day. I come home, I exercise. And then it's like, I'm working on my own stuff for about yeah. three hours. And then it's like, I'm in bed. Like sometimes I'm in bed at like nine 15. And oh I, yeah, me too. I don't care. <laughs> I don't either. Because I mean, I know that like, I got to have my rest. If I'm not, if I'm, yeah. if I'm tired, I'm not going to, you know, be creative. I'm not going to be functional. And at the yeah. same time, it's just like, you know, sleep is important and it is an important part of success. So you I, got, you know, you got to take care of yourself. So, mm-hmm. um, so let me ask you this. I know you kind of already mentioned like you read a lot of books, you listen to podcasts and things like that. But what are kind of, you know, I'm me personally, I'm really big on like the growth mindset. Um, like right now I'm trying to do like literally I probably do, I don't know, two to three audio books like a week and a bunch mm-hmm. of podcasts and stuff. So I'm just always trying to like get information in and stuff like yeah. that. But what are some of the things that you do to kind of grow on a professional, like personal level? I know you read, but do you like, you know, write down your goals are you part of a mastermind group? What are kind of some of the things that you do? Um, well, yes, I read. Um, and I get, I, I subscribe to a lot of magazines too. Um, I watch all, I watch all the late night shows because I think Ellen's kind of like a late night show, but I also like, they always are good on like trending stuff and Mm -hmm. they have celebrities and news. I watch, um, I watch a lot of news in general. Um, I watch ESPN all the time because I love sports. I listen to ESPN radio and Fox radio. So I listen to those. Um, I do have a notebook. I don't, I guess I, I'm not, I just know my goals in my head. I don't really, I'm not, I don't write down goals, but I do these like brainstorming things, Mm -hmm. especially lately when I've been trying to come up with ideas where I'll be like, okay, what do I like? And so I'll write down everything I like and then I'll like circle what I really like. And Mm -hmm. I kind of try and figure out where my mind's at with stuff. So I make lists. I'm a big list person. But it's not really like in five years I want to own a company. Yeah, yeah. I, I never do any of that stuff. I'm more just brainstorm. Or like with this project I'm working on now, it's like kind of a storytelling project. So I'm like today I made a list of um, 
all the different types of people in the world. Like, who are the business types of people that I might want to get? Who are, you know, I'm just like, I always am brainstorming, I'd say. Yeah, I think that brainstorming is important. And I think um, James Altucher, he's like an author and he has a podcast I listen to a lot. I think he, I believe it was him. He was saying like, you know, if you want to be a writer or a blogger or something like that, you should write down just like every idea that comes to your head and write, yeah. write one blog post a day. Or maybe it was Seth Godin. It was one of those two. But uh, they were just basically saying, like, just write write down any idea that comes to your head, have a notebook, have an app on your phone, yeah. and then, you know, write a blog post and publish it every day. And, yeah. you know, and you're going to get better, you know, at what you do. So, you yeah. know, I think those type, type, types of things are very important um, to yeah. do just to stay organized and get the ideas out. You know, and every idea is not going to be good, obviously, but at least you're getting it out and you're writing it down and if you're going to come across some good things. Yeah. So um, Well, the, I mean, and it really does help because I literally the other day I was like, what are all the things you'd want to do in life? <laughs> like, and I was like, just write it down, even if it's ridiculous. And one of the things I put down was work for the FBI. And I was mm -hmm. like, well, you are never going to work for the FBI. And I was like, why do you get... And then I realized I just like really interested in all these different things people do. And, and... Mm -hmm. Even, and I'm like, well, I love watching crime, but I also love this. And I and then, oh, I put down be a chef, but I don't like to cook, but I like watching all these little foodie blogs. But mm -hmm. I realized I just love learning about how all these different people are doing things. And that kind of helped me come up with this idea that I'm working on where I was just like following, looking at different people's lives because mm -hmm. what would it be like if you did that? Yeah, and I, I think that uh, curiosity is like very vital for like a creative um, just to stay fresh and to stay motivated and, and inspired um, for sure. Because I mean, it's kind of like the big reason I even started this podcast. Like I just want to kind of like people I know and people I, I don't know, just kind of talk to them and yeah. ask, ask them things that I've never got to talk to them about or, you know, kind of see what their thought process was to kind of get to where they're at. Cause that things like those type of things really kind of inspire me and, and keep me motivated to go every day. But um, let me ask you a question on just like the writing down the list and the ideas and things like that. Like, how do you like if a creative is listening and they're, you know, they're writing down their ideas every day, say it's like some 19, 20 year old kid that's, you know, just moved to L.A. or New York, or whatever. And and they have all of these ideas. Like, how do you go? Like, what's your advice to go from just having ideas to actually executing those ideas? What would you tell them? Um, well, I think. um just the the first step is like going from an idea to make sure you have like a solid idea mm -hmm. um, and like test it a little bit. Um, Cause just for an example, uh, I, I used to want to write a, a, a book and I pitched, I've written like manuscripts for and, and pitched them and stuff, but that was a while ago. And so recently I was like, maybe now's the time to start writing that book again. And so I like made some ideas for, I like plot and wrote out a plot and stuff, just like a template or whatever. And then I mm -hmm. sat and I was like, okay, great. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to start writing. And then I sat down and I was like, oh, I do not want to write a book. I do not want to do it. Um, so I was like, all right, let's move off of this idea. So mm -hmm. I think you have to like, you can brainstorm a lot, then kind of test the waters to see. And then it, I, I'm just big on lists, like start listing everything you have to do. And I think another thing is, um, once you're really confident that you have a solid idea that you want to do, just start telling people you're doing it because then you're, like, stuck doing yep, it. Exactly. <laughs> you can't take it back because then everyone's going to ask you and you're going to look stupid. Mm -hmm. um, so just start vocalizing it. And then the other thing is when you do that, uh, then little opportunities come your way that you never even thought of. Like someone would be like, oh, well, you should do this. And you're like, ooh, yep, yeah, exactly. that. So I think that's a big thing is just make it real. Yeah, I, I think that putting it out there and telling somebody, especially somebody who's going to hold you accountable for it, is a uh, 
it's a very big step in the process because like you said yeah. you don't want to some, have somebody come back and say hey you work on this and it's like two months later it's like oh i haven't even started on it yeah so yeah. it's like i mean a lot of things that i do like even like this podcast i told my friend about it and he's like oh okay and i was like uh i made the logo so i make like i'll usually just make a logo for something come up with the name and basically just design the whole brand and then i'm pretty yeah. much stuck with having to uh, exactly to get it done at that point you know so yeah. um let me ask you this question, because I was thinking about this yesterday, and you're actually going to be the first guest that I asked this. But um, so say that you can go back to, you know, when you're 18 years old and you had just graduated high school, but you had um, access to 2016 technology and like information. So basically what the Internet is now, what the books and the podcasts and TED Talks and all of this information is now. Like, what would you do with that information and, and how would you use those resources to uh, go after a career path? Oh, yeah. I mean, that would change everything for me, especially working for Ellen. I see how these people go viral and get discovered. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, well, I, I guess it just depends because also, like, I, the, the people will, like, write story. Like, there was this girl I read about um, – some teenager in England and she couldn't get a book deal. I mean, she's young, so it's not a big deal, but like she wanted a book deal and really couldn't. So she just started writing her novel on Instagram and literally got a $400,000 book deal from that. Nice. Um, and just because she started getting so many followers. So I, I mean, it's hard to say like, especially what creative way I would have gone because now, I, like I said, I wish I didn't want to be an actor when I was little, but I don't think it hurt me, but like, I, I don't know that I would be pushed. I don't know what f medium I would be pushing, but whatever it was, I try and put it on social media and get followers. Mm -hmm. That's what I would like 100% do. Um, I, I, that's, well, yeah, that's what I have an answer for. So if, if it was writing, I try and write it. I mean, I even to this today, would, you know, have thought about it, but I'm like kind of, like I said, don't really want to write anything necessarily. So if I was just wanting to sing, I would have started, instead of making a group, I would have started putting everything on YouTube. You know, like mm -hmm. whatever it was, I would just put it on social media. Yeah, we we live in interesting times these days. I mean, if I would have had it when I was, and I was actually like early adoption. So I was like 95, 96 on AOL, like super yeah. hard. But um, it just still wasn't what it is now. You know, when I didn't yeah. have like, yeah. you know, when I was 13 years old, I didn't really have the foresight to be like, you know, this is how I build a business online or anything like that. But Oh, I know. You know, but I wish I did. That would have been cool. I know. That's why I get <laughs> so frustrated when I watch Shark Take because I'm like, damn it. How are these little kids out here with these good ideas? I wasted time. Yep. I love Shark Tank. That's um, my favorite. It's one of my favorite shows. Yeah. A little interesting tidbit about Shark Tank is that even if you go on the show, like ABC takes a percentage of your company, even if you don't get a deal. Wow. Well, my, actually, my friend was just on it and got a deal. Oh, well, nice. I mean, he, I, didn't, I didn't know that. But I, I also know that a lot of people don't even care if they get a deal. They just want airtime because yeah. they shoot so many of them that you might not – even if you got a deal, you might not get on air. Yeah, and I think that's why uh, – like those ones who do get on air and they're going for the airtime, I think that's why they do take like a small percentage of the company because they know that they're going to at least yeah. Oh, yeah. sell something, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but cool, yeah, that's that's all I pretty much got for you, you know. Uh, so I definitely yeah. appreciate you coming on to the podcast. I think it was a yeah, very dope conversation. Um, you got any closing words, anybody you want to give a shout out to where they can find the, your upcoming social media project, anything like that? Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> I can plug my project in. I really have to do it. Yep. Um, just find me on social media because um, I might change the name of it, so I don't want to say a name. But um, I'm going to be launching it this fall, and it's like a storytelling social media project, and I'll plug it on my own channels. So I guess just look out for that and, and watch Ellen in the meantime. Awesome. That's, that's where I put all my hours. Definitely. Well, I appreciate you again, and thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank and everybody you. else, thanks for listening to the podcast. This is Reggie, a.k.a. Nobody Famous. See you next week. Peace. So that was episode eight of the Creative Masters podcast featuring Courtney Garcia. I hope you guys got a lot out of this episode. As usual, you can follow me at Nobody Famous on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also follow Machine Masters at Machine Masters on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're a beat maker or a music producer, definitely join the community over at MachineMasters.com. Until next week, thanks for all you guys' support. Peace. Peace.